the summertime. So, well, I am uh, I'm excited for multiple reasons. One is this is my last week up here for a while. <laughs> I, I told I told what? Thank you, Jerry. Um, I told Aaron. So Aaron and I were uh, together on Friday. We hung out for a little bit, and because we're friends, we like each other outside of work. Um, and I told him I was like, uh, "I'm not preaching for a while. Like you're just gonna have to sit in that seat for a while and just be be comfortable with it." But no, I have enjoyed it. I, it really is. It stretched me um, to be, you know to be in the Word, it's forced me, which, I, you know, I, that's, if I'm honest, that's hard sometimes when you're busy, and so it's forced me to, to really dedicate more time uh, to study, and it's been good for me. Um, but if you've been with us for the past couple of weeks, then you know that we're in a series called Who Will You Serve? And uh, we've been looking at things that really easily enslave us. And things that, that we serve in place of God. And the first we, we talked about the danger of serving ourselves. And how we can be so self-absorbed. And we're always looking for what we can get out of things. And then last week, our second week, we, uh, we talked about money. And how it's so easy to get enslaved to money or be consumed with it in our success-driven world, right? How it's, how can we be more successful? How can we, you know, make the next dollar? And we can be so easily consumed by that, and it can enslave us, this, this love of money. And then this final week, I, uh, I want to give us some more practical steps and hopefully tie all of those, those pieces together. Uh, this week's message is entitled... As for me and my family. And so most of you have probably heard or you've read that verse um, or you've seen that sign in somebody's houses. Maybe you even own that house. It says, as for, or own that, own that sign. Um, as for me and my family or as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? All of you have heard that, Joshua. And it's a popular saying, it's a popular decoration, but I'm not sure that uh, most of us or most people know the context of that. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit today and uh, see how important that statement actually was that Joshua made it at that time and then why it may be even more important now. So before we read our main verse, I want to kind of set the stage and I want to set some context for uh, why Joshua says that, why he says what he does. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's talking to all the tribes in Israel, and he gathered them together, and he's reminding them of God's faithfulness in every generation that has come before them. And he's, he's telling them, you know, this is the God that has fought with you and fought for you for generation after generation. He led them out of captivity in Egypt. He brought them into the promised land. And if you know what scripture says about the journey of the Israelites, you know that that was not easy. That they were stubborn people and they would constantly complain and they would turn their backs on God. And at one point they even said, it'd be better to go back to be slaves than to be out in the desert. And so they, would, they were just a... 
They were a stubborn people. And they would worship other gods because they would lose faith and wonder if God was really going to do what he, was, what he said he was going to do. And there's one part of scripture in Exodus. And um, it gives us a really good picture of what that lack of trust looked like from the Israelite people. It's in Exodus 32. So if you guys want to, want to turn there, you can. But I'm not going to read a, a, a big chunk of it. It's, it's going to be just a verse from that. And this is the first time that Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. And he's, he's speaking to the Lord to receive the Ten Commandments. And mind you, at this point, God has proven himself over and over and over again to the Israelites. But they become impatient and they lose faith. And so verse 1 uh, of Exodus 32 says, When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, and it, it was 40 days and 40 nights that he was up there, they gathered around Aaron and they said, Come on, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this Moses guy who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So they gathered up all of their, their gold, all of their jewelry, all of their rings and everything. And Aaron made them a golden calf. You probably remember the, the scripture, right? Where Aaron, you know, put, they put it in a, 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 a mold and they made a, a golden calf out of it. Now, we think it's silly that they started worshiping a golden calf. But let's be honest. That golden calf is a lot like the things that we worship today, right? And so we can laugh about that they worship this thing made of gold, but we worship things <laughs> that may not even be as expensive as a golden calf. We see how quickly the Israelites turn to other gods and their other idols to save them even after all that the true God, Yahweh, had done for them and had brought them through. So that's pretty much the context of where we're going. So that's, this is after, you know, he's, he's reminded them of God's faithfulness and uh, the Israelites are taking their focus off of God. And Joshua sees this and so they get what I like to call a spiritual amnesia. Sometimes we get that too. It's where you focus so much on the bad things that you forget all God's faithfulness in your life. Do you ever do that? Where you think about the, the storms and the things that you're going through that are so current right now and you, you just feel like you'll never make it out of them. But yet you forget about all of God's faithfulness that happened, that brought you to this point. And we have that sometimes. We have this spiritual amnesia. And that's what the Israelites did very often. And so honestly, that's an easy thing to do. It's easy to get tempted into putting our trust and our faith in other things than God. Because again, we live in this instant gratification world, right? That doesn't like to go through periods of, of waiting or suffering. But the Bible says that's actually where we grow in our faith. And we are tested and we have to persevere. And that's what we come to in Joshua 24, 15. Before I read this, just know that what Joshua says here was not popular. It was not taken well by the people he said it to. 
and he makes a bold statement, a stand for God, when really everyone else was looking for the next God or the next idol to worship. And so I'm going to actually read the verse before as well. So verse 14 and 15 of Joshua 24 says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols, idols of your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond, beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family... We will serve the Lord. As I just said, Joshua is making a bold statement here. He's saying, I don't care what the rest of you guys do. You can lead your family in whatever way you want. But as for me and my family, we're serving Yahweh. And this is true leadership. This is him putting his reputation on the line. I don't know about you, but when I read these words, they aren't just words, they're a calling for me. A calling that inspires me to lead my family in the same way. A call that says, I don't care what everyone else around me is doing. We come in contact with a lot of other people in our day-to-day routines and in our jobs, and we can start to wonder, is that person a better mom than me, or are they a better dad than me, or are they a better grandparent than me? Are they a better husband, are they a better wife than me? I wonder if they read the Bible as a family. I wonder if they pray together. We start comparing, and we can even be influenced by other families, like the people that you hang out with and the kids that you hang out with. Are they good for you? Some of you might be building a golden calf, and you may not even know it. I have to believe that Joshua had some people that he was really close with. That when he said this, it might have created some separation between them. He's taking control of leading his family, and he says, As for me... And my family. Some of you, if you make that stance to lead your families, you might lose some friends. And are you okay with that? If you make that stance for your family and say, I'm going to lead my family in the Lord, it's not a popular thing. I saw a quote and I really liked it. It said, I'm too busy, busy watering my own yard to notice if the neighbor's is greener. A lot of times we look at other people's stuff, we look at other people's yard, but when you're busy taking care of your own family, leading your own family, it doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. That influence, those temptations, they don't matter. The first thing that I believe that we can do in taking some practical steps and taking a similar stance like what Joshua did is ask ourselves if we are actually leading our families well. That has to be a priority. So that's our first point, is lead well. I've had a lot of leaders in my life, and some have been 
very good and some of them have been not so good. Um, Regardless, I've followed them on the path that they've set before me. People are following you, especially the people in your family. Parents, grandparents, your children and grandchildren are looking to you for leadership. And they will look for that their entire life. Whether they act like they want it or not, they're going to look for that. And we have a responsibility to lead our family well. Husbands, lead your wife well, sacrificially and gracefully. Wives, lead your husbands well in wisdom and encouragement. If you're not married, start working on how you lead others whom God has put in your life. Our family is so much bigger than just our blood. This might be the most important thing, too. Lead by example. We can only lead people to places that we've already been. And what what I mean by that is you can't lead someone further than where you are. They can get there on their own, but you can't lead them further than where you have led them. So in order to lead others well in our family and in faith, we have to lead by example, which means we have to do the work to grow in our faith. We can say, I want to lead my family in the Lord, but if we aren't intentional, it's just empty words. So how can we be intentional in doing this? We need to set some time to, to pray together. A family, I've, I've heard this before and I think it's so true. A family that prays together stays together. Do we need sacrifice and set aside time? Maybe in the morning, maybe in the evening. Maybe we need to wake up earlier. Maybe we need to stay up later. Maybe we need to eat, eat dinner together. One of the things that I saw uh, on Facebook, the, the Bowers family, they're... Some of their sons are uh, in our youth group, and they had ice cream for dinner the other day, which may not seem like the the best thing, but it was a a thing that brought their family together, where they were able to eat ice cream together, and it was a fun treat that got the boys to be around their parents probably, right? (laughs) We can pray together. We can read scripture together collectively and discuss teachings we can encourage family worship together. That's why I'm so, I'm so grateful that we have time where we can have family worship. Another thing we can do is to nurture a godly atmosphere. This is gonna look different for everyone, um, but as a family, we have to be intentional about making our home Christ-centered whether that's just two of you or whether that's 10 of you. How do you make that Christ-centered? We have to nurture an environment where questions about faith can openly be discussed and create a safe space where people can bring questions of doubts. And we have to practice love, kindness, humility, and grace. Those things are hard. Humility, grace, Kindness, a lot of times I don't practice those the first time around. So 
yesterday we took, uh, our family went to the lake. We have some family that um, they live on a lake in Monticello. And so we took all three of our girls on the boat. And as you can imagine, that was uh, a little hard. Um, they, were, they had not had a nap. They were whiny. They were hot. Um, there were so many things. And I had to apologize them to them later because I was definitely not patient with them. And I always get it right. And you won't always get it right. Leading your family is hard. It's really hard. But especially, it's especially hard when you try to do it on your own. But when you have the Lord's guidance. I saw this, uh, this Bluey quote too. I don't know if you guys, who loves Bluey? So it says, uh, sometimes I feel guilty for yelling at my kids, but then I remember that some animals eat their kids and I feel a little less bad. So I saw that after I had uh, yelled at my kids a couple times, and so it made me feel a little bit better. The next thing we have to do is we have to have a strong foundation. We have to build our family on Christ. The rock that is Christ. When storms or unexpected circumstances come, conflict, issues... If you make sure that Christ is your solid foundation, it's not going to fail. It can't be based on infatuation. Marriages can't be based on infatuation. I've seen so many broken marriages and families because they compromise their foundation. And they forget to build their marriage, their family on Christ. And they start compromising. They allow themselves or their kids to start watching shows or to listen to music that they shouldn't. And they start seeking pleasure outside of their marriages. And Christ no longer remains the foundation. And when Christ is no longer the foundation, the foundation becomes compromised. You guys know what happens when there's a crack in a foundation? Water gets in, freezes, then it heats up and expands, starts to erode, and then pretty soon that foundation crumbles, right? And every time we compromise, every time we build our family or our marriage on something else that is not Christ, that's another crack that's in our foundation. It's another crack where the enemy can get in and start to deteriorate the foundation of our marriage, the foundation of our family, and starts to crumble. And the fourth thing is leaving a legacy. So a lot of you have heard me talk about my, uh, my grandpa before. And um, he was not always somebody that I wanted to be like. Um... When, when I was growing up, um, he was definitely not the most godly man. Um, but after my, my grandma died, an opportunity arose uh, for me to be able to spend more time with him. And when we would talk, I would start to talk to him about Jesus. And I would, he, he was bored, and so he would read everything that I would give him. And so I would give him you know, certain things to read, and I would sneak devotionals, or I would sneak 
C.S. Lewis, the Bible, certain things in there, and he would start reading them. And uh, eventually, he came to know the Lord in a way that was super powerful. And from that point on, his life changed. And um, to know him was to, to love him, and you saw the change in his life, that he modeled his life after Jesus from that point on. He was somebody that then I started to strive to be. His generosity was out of this world. He would talk to others about Jesus, and he would truly be the hands and feet of Christ. And I think about the legacy that he left and now I can tell my, my kids, my children, about the legacy that he had left for our family because he chose to lead his family in the Lord. And that was all the difference for me. If you died today, how would your family remember you? Would they remember you as a leader that loved the Lord and led their family in the Lord? Would they remember you for something different? I really want you to think about that this week. As you go about your day, as you lead your family, I want you to ask that question. How do you lead your family? Are you leaving a legacy for them? I want my kids and my wife to remember me as a person who is determined to live for Jesus and to build the kingdom of God. It's interesting because when we go back to Joshua and we see the generation that came before Joshua and we see how he reminds them of God's faithfulness, through the generations that came before him, through Moses and Abraham. And it's good for us to remind ourselves and our families about the faithfulness that God has had in our lives. That's what Joshua did. He was talking about the faithfulness of his family. And he was reminding other people of the faithfulness of their family before him and how they led their family in the Lord. And the last one is, how can we invite others into what we're doing in our family? Not just our immediate family, but our church family. I know a lot of you, your family looks different than the next person. And their family looks different than the next person. But we all have this common ground where we can truly start to grow in our relationship with Christ. And so we're going to have opportunities. I one of the things that I, that I talked with Pastor Aaron about on Friday was just opportunities for us to be able to invite people into our space, invite people into, whether it's small groups, whether it's Bible studies, whatever that looks like. But I encourage you, this is your opportunity to start preparing for that as you start to lead your family well. I don't know what that looks like for you. I can't, I know what that looks like for me. That means sacrificing my own time. That means making sure that I lead from example, that I grow in my relationship with Christ first, 
and then I lead my, my kids alongside me and my wife alongside me, and my other family long, members alongside me. And so I would just say that if you don't feel like you're a leader, that's not true. That is not true. God has created you to be just that, to be a leader. It may not be for hundreds or thousands or millions, but it is for the people that he's put in your sphere of influence. And you can lead those people well, but you can only do it with how far that you have gone yourself. And so I would just encourage you to start asking God ways that he can make you a better leader to lead your family well. It just starts one day at a time of leading yourself well too. And then we can start to lead our church better, start to lead our community better. And then we can truly say the words, ask for me and my family, ask for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And we'll make true leadership, leading in love, leading in humility, leading in grace, but most importantly, leading in the Lord. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that that we can look to you for leadership. I know that a lot of times it seems like we just go throughout our day and we forget what it even means to look like to, to actually take side time to to pray or to read scripture or to talk about what it looks like to, to love you with our families or with our spouses or with our friends. But God, may that, may that be the top of our priority list. We've talked about how we've served ourselves and we, we continue to struggle with that, this idea of being self-absorbed and we've talked about serving money and where that consumes us in the success-driven world and how we can just get so caught up with our job and what we have to do to provide and we forget that our first priority starts inside our own hearts and then it bleeds out to the people that are near us within our sphere of influence to our kids, to our spouses, to our family members, to our close friends, to our church family. So God, help us to reframe our focus. I know you're calling each of us to a deeper commitment, a deeper love, and a deeper desire for you. But we need your help. Because when we try to lead on our own, we just fail. When we try to build our own, our family or our marriage or our house on things that aren't you, there's always compromises and there's always cracks in our foundation. So God, help us to be like Joshua. Help us to take a bold stand right now
and say, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Can we just say that together? Just, just together as one body. If you, if you feel led to, still have our eyes closed and our heads bowed. We're just going to say that together. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Let's say it again. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. When we confess that to you, God, it's a beautiful sound to say that we're making a statement right now that we're not going to serve other things, that we're going to tear down the idols in our life, the other things that would try to take your place, and we're going to start by leading our families in the Lord right now. It's in your name we pray. Amen.